When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up? Welcome in to the CHGO Bears podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO to get up to $2,000 in free bets when you sign up. What's going on, everyone? It is Monday. It is a new week of Bears training camp practices. Uh, Practice number five in the books today after an off day. Pads go on tomorrow. Finally. What's going on, Nick? Nothing much, Adam. I have to write it back here on the board just because, I honestly, you lose track when it's mm-hmm. all these days in training camp. The heat and everything, it's like, all right, stay five, pads are on tomorrow. It also gets confusing because it's technically day six, six. practice five. And the reason why that yeah. matters is because uh, I had to go through the CBA and figure out the rules and everything. A lot of confusion about when the pads are going on. Uh, and I apologize if I contributed to that confusion. But I promise you there was confusion in other places that was leading to some of that confusion. The deal is today was technically the day the Bears could have put pads on legally by the CBA. You may have seen other teams around the league do that. As we said here on the show last week, we were being told Tuesday the whole time. And then I think on Saturday, some things got some wires got crossed even within the building. Um because I get the confusion, like, yeah, you think Monday, first padded practice, if it's legal, and anyway, uh, they did not have pads on today. I asked Matt Averflus after practice why they did not put the pads on, and he said that's coming off an off day. He wanted to ramp it up. Mm-hmm. Feels like there's been enough ramping at this point. Can we say that? Yeah, let's get the pads on. Woohoo! <laughs> Whatever what? that is. Is that a Sox helmet? <laughs> yeah, oh, nice. this. I believe nice. there were nachos in this at some point, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I like to actually leave the cheese in there, then put Ooh, it yeah. on my head. Oof, yeah, and those yeah. those pickled jalapenos. Mm-hmm. You always like that dripping down your forehead, right in your yeah, eye. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good. It yeah. feels great. Okay. Yeah, uh, Lawrence is here producing. Can't tell he's ready for pads to go on. Uh, for the record, helmets have been on to this point. Uh, thankfully, today was a very physical practice, though. For there not being pads, I do have to say. I think the players were ready for the ramp up to be over just based off the practice and how it was kind of going throughout. It was pretty, like you said, physical, high intensity, that like it's been for the majority of training camp. But I kind of had a, like a feeling, a sense that like the players are ready for tomorrow. I hope so. Yes. And uh, 
and like I said, enough of the ramping. Can we stop ramping? Okay. The ramp is over. We've reached the end of the ramp. Let's 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 have some real football as much as possible. Today it was especially because it's very run heavy, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was watching practice, I was like, this would just make more sense if pads were being warm. There were a couple uh big holes opened up by the offensive line, I thought, for you know, they're not yeah. even beam pads, which I think speaks to some of the physicality. So um anyway, pads will be on tomorrow. They will be on Wednesday. Today was our second closed yet still kind of open practice um, that the bears figured out how to do this year. So they've been running what they call community days, which is cool. It's a lot of great causes, people coming out. But when you're sitting there and you're like, wait, this is supposed to be closed to the public. That's why we're not tweeting and reporting stuff as it happens. And yet there's still a lot of people in the stands um, is what it is. So that's why all the uh, updates came after practice. And regardless, that's why we're here for you guys today to break this thing down. So let's jump into it uh, as we get to our practice number five recap. Best and worst of the day, Nicholas Moriano. What was the best thing you saw? I think the best thing I saw was the fullback going deep. Kahari blasting game down the left sideline, making a diving catch in team drills. Like, Iberflus talked about it in the press conference today, having a guy that you can you could split out wide, but he's not just going to run a five-yard hitch. He has the ability to run the route tree. And Kahari mm-hmm. blasting game showed that, showing the ability to create separation. I thought Justin Fields was a little late on the throw, but Kahari blasting game made a hell of a catch and was able to come down with it. So that was easily the best thing I saw. What about you, Adam? Uh, that would have been right there at the top of my list. So I'll go differently. I saw Cole Komet high point of football over Eddie Jackson today. I think it was in one-on-ones yeah. early on in practice. Mm-hmm. They had a, it was actually a fun one-on-one period to watch. And so we were, they've been doing that almost every day, but today it was right in front of us because of the practice fields they were on. And um, yeah, just seeing Cole Komet make a tough catch over Eddie Jackson, who seemed to be in good spot coverage wise. That was, that's what you want to see from, uh, from the bear star tight end. Oh, I shouldn't call him a star yet, but maybe getting there. At least he's the number one tight end. Very clearly. Um, If you ask Ryan Griffin, Ryan Griffin loves him. Some Cole command, the potential that he, he also loves Justin Fields. Like every time we've talked to Ryan Griffin, he's like, man, you could just see it out of Justin, but I know we'll probably get to get to that later. But the worst thing I saw, Adam kind of going still, I talked about how Justin feels a little late on that throw to Kahari blasting game. He was a little late on a couple throws today. And Matty Rafflus talked about, he's still learning new plays, learning the footwork in these plays, but it just seemed like there were some throws that were just a bit, again, late. There was a interception that happened and he was targeting Darnell Mooney. The ball just, it was, it just showed up late and Jalen Johnson was able to bat it up in the air and I think it was Joe Thomas, 45. Yeah, got the interception on that. The Kahari blasting game throw. There's another throw to Ryan Griffin down the left sideline. Fields didn't connect with him, but it just seemed like at this point in time, there are a couple late throws with some of the new plays that they're still learning in this offense. But uh, as we all know from Justin Fields, that's happened today. See what kind of happens tomorrow in the first pad of practice. All right, worst thing for me was just that whole two-minute debacle at the end of practice. <laughs> it, I mean, for it looked way too similar to what we've seen before. Um, and I get that they're just getting out there for the first time. It was you know early on with these two-minute drills in practice. Defense, as we're going to talk about here, um, it has been getting the best of the offense, so not completely surprising. But there were some concerning things that the Bears offense um, slash coaches, I think, can't control. One, the whole thing started off with the Valus Jones Jr. false start, 
right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So that's moving the chains backwards uh, with, I think there was 58 seconds on the clock at that point. Um, and what I like seeing accountability immediately subbed out, commit a false yeah. start there out, put somebody else in. Um, when we get to, I marked out some time to talk about Matt Eberflus coaching philosophies. Cause it's like, let's not ignore. We got a first time head coach here. We're gonna have to start figuring out some of this. I saw some things today that I think matter a little bit. Um, also asked him about it afterwards. So there's a little tease for later on in the show, but there was a timeout. I didn't like in that two minute drill. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just tease it with that. And then did you see the last play? I'm pretty yeah, sure I, Justin Fields was seven yards past the line of scrimmage when he threw the ball. But but Adam, he went back, right? He went back, but he made the throw. So, yeah, I did see that. Like, uh, yeah, you, you can't do that, Justin. <laughs> yeah, it just, long story short, it was not well managed, wasn't pretty, whatever. You know, it just, this is why we do the best and worst. So that, to me, was by far the worst thing I saw in practice today. Um, there were some highlights though that we're going to get to. And by the way, I don't, did you see this when I put it in the rundown? I hope you uh, did. Cause we did not discuss this. So that's fully on me, okay. but I want to do a new, new thing also called overreaction of the day. Okay. okay. All right. So this is like purposely like a little bit of a bit, something to overreact about for the day. Based on what I saw is Justin Fields going to make it out of week four alive. I mean, okay. seriously, like at some point we got to start worrying about that a little bit here. Now, I understand the offensive line still not completely getting together. They're not wearing pads, but it was like a jailbreak on every play today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I like this. What I'll take it the other side. The defense is going to be, dare I say it, really good. That, that pass rush with who they got, I think is going to create some disruption for – for opposing offenses because like in that two minute drill, we were just talking about it. It was a situation drill 27, 23, the bears are down. They have a minute 30 on the clock. They're on their own 30. The bears obviously didn't end up scoring because there were a bunch of sacks on that drive. Al Quindy Muhammad was asked how many sacks would you have gotten? And he's like a couple. So uh, overreaction, like the bears defense, specifically that defensive line. I think they may do some things this season. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, those are probably uh, a couple overreactions just to to uh, keep in mind because the pads aren't even on. But this is where I think we can still have an educated discussion here on. And you see the headline if you're watching on YouTube. Appreciate, however, you're consuming the podcast as we get through another week of Bears training camp here. Uh, a lot of good content coming your way on the CHGO Bears podcast. Also, should tease, by the way, because um, we announced this this morning. My long-standing Bears Things column, very excited about this, will be available to CHGO members as a newsletter starting this week. So it's going to come out Wednesday. Um, This week, it's going to be free to everyone. So if you're not a member, you're thinking about becoming a member, you can jump on, uh, go to allchgo.com, or it's in my Twitter account. I think we put it up on our other Twitter accounts too, at chgo underscore sports underscore bears. Um, And you can find the link to type in your email address and get this week's newsletter uh, and it'll drop Wednesday morning. Speaking of Cole Komet, be a little, some nuggets in there on Cole Komet that I, that I think you'll like um, as he enters a very crucial year three 
uh, with the Chicago Bears. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I, I still think we can have a good, educated conversation here, Nick, on what this all means with the offense. Looking pretty far behind with the defense right now, right? I mean, if we're being honest now, I think just like we already sort of have in this conversation, there's two ways to look at it, and probably it's somewhere in the middle. Number one, right off the bat, the defense should be better than the offense. Like, we've talked about this all offseason. This should not be surprising to anybody. And then the thing that we don't know on a daily basis necessarily because they're not going to tell us, and that's fine. But there are some days um, throughout camp that you are running more things that are new and then there's some other days where you're running more of the stuff you've already run a bunch. Does that make sense? So you have, and sometimes that happens a lot after an off day. Like they'll throw in a lot of new stuff as the coaches have, you know, because the off days aren't really off days for coaches. They're like game playing days. Um, so I'm willing to buy a little bit of what Eberflus was selling today when he was asked about Justin Fields and how there's a lot of new stuff being thrown at him, and I get it. So there's two ways to look at this. I guess I'm going to start on the positive. There's a lot of things to like about this defense, I think. The one thing, especially, because we've heard it from day one when Matt Eberflus was hired, and it was severely lacking, really, if you go back all the way to when Lovey Smith was fired, with the exception of, I want to say, like 2018 when the Bears had a crap ton of takeaways. Most years, though, since Lovey Smith was fired, getting takeaways has been an issue. And... They are practicing what the coaching staff is preaching. There are so many balls being batted up in the air, whether it's one-on-ones, seven-on-seven, 11-on-11. They are getting their hands on the football defensively, and I think that regardless of who's off on offense, wherever the balls are being thrown, whether they're late, whatever, it's just a good sign for the Chicago Bears defense. Yeah, and Adam, you talked about like you're seeing it not just in, like the team aspect, but like in the one on ones, there are times where the receiver beats a DB, but you got to complete the process the entire play. There are two instances t- in today's practice where one of the DBs got beat, but they knocked the ball on the ground, and it's a win for the defense. And so that mentality is evident throughout the entirety of practice, even if it's a run play you're seeing every single member of the defense at least put their hand or make a fist on the ball that you have to do it. You probably would get loafed if you didn't, to be completely honest. So that is extremely evident with all the defensive players um, and why like that has created a lot of these turnovers that we're seeing throughout the entirety of OTAs and now training camp. So it is, you know, Iberflus talked about the hits philosophy and how, paramount it is to what he does and what the defense players have to buy into but so far adam without the pads coming on yet you're seeing it happen yeah i just think that it's really paying off and and it's like i try to really focus on things early on in camp that i think will translate okay so i'll give you a couple of examples a lot of it's individually okay i've talked about jaquan brisker already okay i think that that is just something that's like when it when it repeats itself over and over and over again in practice, usually 
it's going to carry over the regular season. And, and I realize with a rookie, like I'm making that statement without him even being on the field for a preseason game. The other one is the guy we talked to today, Nick, and, th- and that's Al-Qadi Muhammad. You know, I think in the covering the NFL with the amount of players that are on every roster, it's very hard to be familiar with everybody in the league. And especially somebody that can sometimes be a more of a rotational player on an AFC team when we're covering an NFC team. And like the more and more you read and talk to people uh, about Al-Qadi Muhammad, you learn that like he was he was probably better than most people think he was in Indy. And just even hearing Matt Eberflus talk about how consistent coaches love consistent players, right? How consistent he's been. He's been the same guy since he was a rookie, he said. I know by the way, he had seven sacks last year. So, you know, I, I just think that and now I can say that about him. While also obviously admitting he's not Khalil Mack. No one's saying he's going to be Khalil Mack. But if he can come in and even just give you seven sacks and play consistent, good against the run, somebody you can rely on, be durable, that's a that's a pretty good piece to have on defense that they quite uh, frankly didn't even have last year because as good as Khalil Mack was, he didn't play half the year. No, it's a good point, Adam. And the thing is, Alquan D. Muhammad maybe looking at this defensive line, he's probably a rotational piece or is splitting time with Travis Gibson. But the thing that Iberflus talked about is he doesn't take plays off. So when he does get in there, you're getting maximum effort from Al-Kwandi Muhammad each time he steps onto the field. And that's what helped him make, become the player that he is today. And that's why, you know, going back to the connection with Iberflus and why he's here, he has a chance to, to make some plays like he did today, uh, you know, in actual games. So, when you have a guy like that, you're hoping that the rest of the defensive line also plays similarly because they do buy into the system, bring that maximum effort. Then then you create more of an opportunistic defense. And it starts with the mentality. And that's what Alquan D. Muhammad has brought here to Chicago. And I think it just even it, it emphasizes even more how much of a no brainer it was to trade Khalil Mack. Um, I mean, especially when you. Just look at how that decision's played out so far. And again, it's early. But when you see the areas of the defense that that specific trade affected, okay, um, it landed, you ended up with two second-round picks out of it. Okay, the second one was Joquan Brisker. Mm -hmm. We're talking about already looks like a player with a very high floor starting as a rookie, okay? That doesn't mean he's as good as Khalil Mack, obviously, but that pick looks pretty promising right off the bat. And then when you look at the defensive end situation with Khalil Mack out of there, you understand that with one signing of Al-Qadim Muhammad, the emergence of Travis Gibson, who must have been somebody that the new regime, when they studied the roster, when they looked over what was left over, that had to be one of the maybe only handful of players that they were like, <laughs> looks like there's something here. And we think he can transcend scheme and work as a four, three defensive end. And just that jives as we've talked about in the off season, when we were going through our player grades and things like that. I mean, Travis Gibson graded out like a starter to me last year. Now he needs to prove he can do that with starter reps and play more. But 
then you keep if you keep Robert Quinn in there, which I still think is sort of a fluid situation. But right now you do have Robert Quinn. Right now at defensive end, you know, by the way, use another one of those draft picks on Dominique Robinson, who I don't know how ready he is. We got to see that guy with pads on. But even if he ends up needing a redshirt year, you still manage to add to that spot in the draft with some draft capital. And then they use that extra draft capital that they got, that future seventh round pick to move around, make extra picks. So for a team, I always like to look at the logic of what GMs are doing, right? For a team in the situation the Bears are in, the way that all played out in that specific sequence of events, from the Khalil Mack trade to how everything was used to get to this point in training camp, it sure makes a lot of sense to me about how Ryan Poles went about that. Yeah, and you think about it too, Adam. It's like, let's say you did have Mack and Quinn, obviously two older players on a young team that's not ready to compete right here and now. So you need to evaluate some of these young guys that the Bears do have at that position. So, yes, did it for Bears fans, did it stink to see Mack going? Of course, but all the reasons you just said and getting the evaluation right or just seeing the evaluation happen for all these other guys, you, you see what you have on your roster and on at that position and for a lot less money than it would be just having one guy who – Yes, we all know Cleo Mack at his highest point, what he can do in a game, but we haven't seen that in a while. I'm sure he'll do great things for the Chargers, but now you get to see what you have in the current group that the Chicago Bears have on their roster. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now here's the other side of this, which I lost a comment now, but we had a comment in there that was like, yeah, in 2019, it looked like, you know, the defense was just, better than the offense and they had to accept it. Maybe it wouldn't be. And then once you got to the regular season, the offense stunk. <sighs> there it is. If you're watching on YouTube, we said this in 2019 when the offense stunk in training camp, it's just a good defense. They're going up against. Turns out the offense just stunk. Yep. I mean, that's the other side of this. And I'm not going to make any major conclusions until, you know, we see some padded practices, but it's certainly a viable possibility. <laughs> it is. That this thing it is going to be a, just a struggle on offense. And I, I don't I don't think it's because of the, the actual scheme that's it's like that offensive line Adam. Like there's so every when it goes to first team, it's like the first unit is not the it's not the same guys even lining up with the first team the next time they're out there. They're still just trying to figure out who the best five are. And when plays are being blown up in the backfield or they would have been stopped, it's like in the regular season, like that, that could easily happen. So it, we'll have to see if this offensive line has a little bit more fight in them once the pads come on, when they actually can almost play in an even playing field instead of just having to be in front of people putting their hands on them. You can actually get into the pads and block, but I just, there might be, there. it looks like during the course of this season, there's going to be some games where you're like, man, the offensive line is having Justin Fields run for his life. And we've seen that already in his rookie season. If that becomes consistent throughout year two, you're not getting the best evaluation of Justin Fields. You're not getting the best evaluation of the offensive players you surrounded him with. And we still are here wondering what can Fields become. And again, it all goes back to the offensive line. Yeah, it really does. Um, because I can still sit here and, and make some arguments 
that some good things could be on the horizon. One of them is the scheme. And that's something I'm going to be writing about in the Bears Things newsletter this week. And I talked about this last week, actually, on Friday's show. Like, the scheme I really like. The plays I'm seeing, the play design. Um, And in some ways, I think that scheme will be able to... Well, I think it'll be scheming out some of the weaknesses, not only of the offensive line, but also your quarterback's weaknesses and playing to the strengths. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole point. Um, and let's be honest, like we're seeing periods of practice right now where, and this isn't new to the bears or anything. It's pretty typical, but you have like a period where it's very run heavy, short and short passes, right? I'll just phrase it that way. Well, don't you think the defense is going to start crying? you know, creeping into the box a little bit and the closer to the line of scrimmage when they're seeing the same stuff over and over again. So, um, and I did like that every once in a while they popped a deep pass out there. Now, yeah. accuracy wasn't always the best on those plays, um, at least today, but that's what you want to see. I just, um, look, I think there's a very good chance that Darnell Mooney is going to stay very, very good, that he's not going to regress. Uh, and in fact, I think there's a good chance that he'll increase those numbers. I think Cole Komet will continue to ascend as a player. Even if there's a ceiling there, I think he'll be better. I think he'll score more touchdowns this year. I think the quarterback will be better and more consistent overall. Those are all things that I think, and I think the Bears can have a pretty decent running game. Like I, I and if all of those happen just there, they should be more efficient. They should be better on offense. And I think I feel comfortable actually making that prediction, Nick. That, that offense, by the way, this is not a high bar, but that they will be better offensively this season than they were last year. But all that being said, it goes back to what you said. It, it really comes down to the offensive line because as I say all those positive things. I still have major questions about who else is playing wide receiver and what they can realistically do. And not only how effective can the offensive line be, can they keep the quarterback clean, but the lack of depth there too is, is very concerning. And very rarely are you able to go through a full season with the same five guys starting. Like it almost never happens. No, it doesn't. Adam, like we were listening to Ryan Griffin and, you know, Cole Komet has talked about this too and how the boot scheme is what Ryan Griffin said is going to be good for us. And not just the tight ends, for everybody. And that the big question mark with the offensive line, if you can give Justin Fields some time, get him away from the line of scrimmage and get him on the move, that does help your offensive line. So there are wrinkles within Luke Getze's offense they, I, I'm pretty sure the Bears know he knows that, hey, this is going to help our weakest unit. And, like, that boot scheme is going to help. It really is. We didn't see enough of it last season when Justin Fields, you know, was out there. So just I think even adding that small component, that small aspect of it does make a difference. But to get these guys out in space and get their playmakers just out in space and get yards after the catch. So, yes, the offensive line will be the Achilles heel of this team. But there are ways to work around it. You can't make your whole off. You can't be boot scheming every single play. But man, if you put it in at the right times throughout a course of a game, then you can you can work with what you got, and that's what the Bears are going to be at this season. 
All right, I want to get into some of the stuff with Matt Eberflus and his coaching philosophy. But first, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. So that's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out because your home for live in-play betting just got even better. If you happen to see an edge in the game you're watching, if your favorite team is primed for a comeback, well, you don't have to just watch the game. You can bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash-outs, and follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now. Use promo code CHGO. What are you waiting for? It is time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. I do have to say real quick, we owe uh, the listeners a, a pick of the week because we did not give one last week. And I feel bad because I came up with this after we did the show Friday, but I came up with an absolute lock Friday evening. And that was to bet was a, a bet against the White Sox on mm. Friday. Because there was all this hype about how the White Sox had to sweep the A's. And it was like, they're going to lose this game. I just know they are. And um, But it went beyond that. There's some crazy stat out there. You got to look up how bad the White Sox are in game one of series. Really? Like, it's pretty typical. So, actually, I should look this up right now. I don't know who's pitching tonight for the Royals. Uh-oh. But let me say this. If there's a right-hander on the mound, mm-hmm. it's the first game of the series, and they're at home where they play poorly, this might be one of those days where you want to bet against the White Sox. Shoot, I haven't made a bet on points spend. You know, it's been a little bit. Yeah. Adam, I might take you up on that and be like, I'm all saying. right, free free money. Free money. I'm not saying it's free money. I'm just... In a, it's free money. Don't do what I'm saying if it's a left-hander, though. If there's a left-hander, do not do what I'm saying. Okay, so I'll have to do the research and see who's pitching, and then you can get maybe your free money. But I have to tell you about our next partner and someone that, you know, we, we always talk about here on the CHO Bears podcast. That's Athletic Greens. With one scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Say that five times fast. To help start your day off right. This mixture of ingredients helps your immune system, gives you energy, and improves your focus. And that's why I take my Athletic Greens. Took them this morning before heading off to Hellas Hall today. What's awesome about Athletic Greens is that it costs you less than a cup of coffee a day. It also helps support better sleep quality, and recovery, which we all definitely need. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. Super simple. Replaces all those million pills you have to take and supplements, and you, you make you just look out, for your, look out for your health. So to make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And here's how you can get that. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash 
CHGO Bears. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Bears to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Not only is it a right-hander, it's Brad Keller, White Sox nemesis. All right, so go make your bets. Just like, go right now, point <laughs> to bed, and do it. I'm trying to look up. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, I'm not. We're not going to turn this into a White Sox show. You go. You can watch the CHGO White Sox podcast for the details. But it certainly feels as a White Sox fan that Brad Keller gets the best out of the White Sox. So. There you go. All right, back to the Bears, the stuff you guys want to hear about. Uh, Matt Eberflus today was asked about his aggressiveness, if he's a risk taker, and he joked that he is going to go for it on first down every time, and he's never going to punt, which was a pretty good line. Uh, and then he went in and said, "Yeah, it's good. by the way, this was obviously a question that he's certainly not going to try to tip his hand uh, on August 1st, well before he actually developed some <laughs> tendencies as a coach. But um, so then he goes on to say, yeah, situations, field position, analytics, all that good stuff. I thought the key part was at the end, though, when he was asked by nature, are you a risk taker? And he says, I am. Mm-hmm. OK, now word of caution. Certainly had some coaches come through here in the past, say one thing and then they turn out to. Do other things. So this does not mean that Matt Eberflus is going to be, you know, extremely aggressive on fourth down calls. But I am very fascinated to see how that actually plays out because it certainly feels like a lot of times defensive coaches can be a little bit more conservative because mm-hmm. they have a tendency to trust their defense. Yep. They're defensive guys by nature. When it comes down to it in a tough situation, all right, let's just punt the ball, put the defense back on the field. They'll get a three and out. They'll get us the football back. Now, Brandon Staley, defensive coach, blew that up last year because he was as aggressive as you could probably be uh, as a head coach with all the fourth downs that the Chargers went for. Interested to see how this plays out for Matty Rufus. I'm much more curious in his actions than what he's saying on August 1st. But I think it uh, I wouldn't completely shock me if he tends to be a little bit of aggressive for a defensive coach. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when he said it, I'm like, I don't know, Matt. Like, I, obviously, he knows his defense, his hits philosophy, and what they're capable of doing or what they could be capable of doing. But I think it really is going to be situationally. Like, if you're going up against a high-powered offense, let's say Green Bay Packers Week 2, it's like, those could be the situations where he thinks about, well, if we give the ball back to this offense, I know I trust my defense, but is this is this going to help me win the ball game? Like those are going to be the situations where I want to see where Eva flew, where where his mindset's at, and obviously you'll see how the course of the game goes. But to me, I think he's going to be the guy that trusts his defense to get the three and out. But situationally, going up against a good offense, that's where he'll probably um, really weigh the the pros and cons of go, going for it on a fourth down situation. Well, and I just think that we got to keep in mind this is a first-year head coach. I mean, there's stuff that he's going through in practice right now that he's really going through for the first time. And that brings me back to the two-minute drill that we started this show off with talking about one of the things that did not go well today. Now I was, I'll admit 
there there was uh this was a little confusing. So they the Bears were in a situation where clocks they're in the final minute of a game. That's basically what they're simulating. And it was third down, and it looked like the play was short of the chains, bringing up a fourth down. They're down four games on the line. In the situation they were they were um running through, the coach had one timeout to use. So you had one timeout, you're down four, you have to score a touchdown. There's less than a minute on the clock. Good situation to practice. And in a situation there where you get in the fourth down, I think there was still 30-something seconds left on the clock. You call timeout. Because it's like the last play of the game. You got to get this. If you don't get if you don't get the first down, your um the game's over. Mm-hmm. But then they lined up and they said it was first down. So, I mean, the details of this, I guess, aren't the end of the world. It's just one practice. But if it was actually first down, you called timeout. I don't like that. You, then you save your timeout and you 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 waste it down uh, just by spiking it to stop the clock. Like that's what, in my opinion, that's what you should do. So I just the point of me bringing all that up instead of you know harping on one thing if it certainly if it's a game we'll probably spend a whole day discussing it the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a reminder on that like these are the things that as a coach you you have to go through and of course I asked Matt Eberflus about this after the game and or after the practice I should say and you know he just said that you know that that stuff's very very helpful. Um, not only for him, but for the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, for them to simulate all those different plays that they're going to run in that spot, coverages you're going to run on defense. Um, and he also said that as they get along, which farther and farther along in training camp, they'll have just open calls. Because right now everything's still scripted, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But what he's saying is he'll just let Luke Getze, you know, call this series like it's a game. Like we, this is a- anything in the playbook's open call it as you see fit and simulate that. Um, and so just a good reminder, I think for everybody to understand that this is a first time head coach, first time offensive coordinator at the NFL level, calling plays for the first time in the NFL. So there's probably going to be some growing pains here, even if the early, early reviews on the coaches seem to be pretty positive. Yeah. That, that whole, um, situation at the end there adam was it was a little weird because it started off with the the byron pringle reception on the right sideline where eddie jackson would have just completely annihilated him and you know byron pringle talked about it he's like you know first you you have to you have to make the play you have to make the interception first but you know eddie jackson was hyped up on on that sideline about the opportunity that he would have had and then at the end there like it was like a hail mary, and I guess the defense couldn't jump. Like I, I don't know, it was weird. I don't know if you yeah, saw it looked it. like it was... a wa- like a walking through a hail mary. Yeah, yeah. Because they were they so... also like they walked through the um like the the pass rush even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The so it was it was a yeah. it was an interesting period for the Bears, and like we talked about earlier, there was probably a lot of sacks. There was a false start, and then the Bears couldn't they couldn't cap they couldn't go down the length of the field. It was 27, 23, a minute 30 left with the one timeout and the offense couldn't, couldn't execute there. Yeah. And 
like the defense is in an advantage there, mm-hmm. but it just it wasn't clean. That's the problem, right? Yeah, the false start, the timeout. I'm confused by which. Um, look, it's practice, so they, he may have called timeout, saying it's fourth down, and then they may have just like okay, not nah, and let's say let's just make it a first down. Like you, you have the ability to do that in practice, but um, anyway, I just. I don't know how much that stuff's going to be able to be worked out in the preseason games. So the the situational stuff in practice really uh-huh. really matters to me. And then again, like situationally, are your is Justin Fields going to be in the game in that situation, right? So you're probably executing it with I don't know Nathan Peterman or something like that. So maybe you can get those types of uh, oh in the in preseason, be, yeah, in the preseason, yeah. So you're not going to get it with probably Justin Fields, what you want to get it with, so. You have to also factor that into the equation as well. All right. Um, before we get, we're going to get to a bunch of questions, empty the notebook, but uh, tell us a little bit more about points bet. I got the shirt yeah, on sure. today. You do the the little hoodie there, which um, I was required yeah. to do. Cause you were like upset that uh, I had the same, same color shirt on. I just pointed it out. We had a similar color shirt. I'm like, look at that. Oh yeah. You can see it there. If you're watching the CHO bears podcast, see, we just think, Similarly, that was all. You didn't have to change it. Yours almost looks like a soccer jersey from this view. You know, what's with my shirts looking like? I have the White Sox shirt that kind of looks like a soccer one. This one got a soccer I don't know what it is. But point is, point. We're going to talk about points, but I think a point's the right corner. I have no idea anymore. Uh, If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us to continue to grow is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. You'll get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, and I don't know how you did, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app uh, right now, and register your account from start to finish, all from that that mobile device that we all have, your your cell phone there. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. A couple of things in my notebook that uh, we got to empty before we get to some questions with Lawrence, our producer, jumping in with all the saved questions uh, throughout the show. First of all, let's start with the injuries. Still nothing on Tevin Jenkins. Won't tell us anything about Tevin Jenkins. Working with trainers. Just working with trainers. Just working with trainers. All I know is in what is now his second year, Tevin Jenkins has been in one training camp practice. Holy crap. That's right. Think about it that way. Wow. He has participated in one training camp practice. Whew. That is not where you want to be. Yep. I'll tell you that right now. Because he was in the first practice last week and then is working with trainers ever since. So, uh, I don't know. But Thomas Graham Jr., no problem updating on Thomas Graham Jr. Not a good update, No, but an update. <laughs> uh, Thomas Graham Jr. has a hamstring, and he's going to miss some time. He's going to miss some time. They got um, some kind of update this morning. And Matt Eberflus. So here's the only thing I, if we're learning, 
I, I think uh, we're still trying to figure out how Eberflus is going to be with injuries. He was willing to tell us about uh, Lucas Patrick, who's going to miss some time. And now he's telling us about Thomas Graham Jr., who's going to miss some time. Which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, I think it, I do think there is a benefit to let the fans know when a guy's going to be more than just day to day to just get that out there. Still not tipping. Hey, 49ers have no idea if Lucas Patrick or Thomas Graham Jr. is going to play week one. Okay. That's still, but at least we know, okay, we don't have to ask about Thomas Graham Jr. for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is that an indication that this Tevin Jenkins thing really might not be that big of a deal? I mean, why why else wouldn't he elaborate on it like he did the other two? Right? Like that's, if that's he's what in I, the category I of day to day and he doesn't want to talk about the day to day guys, then then maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe. Or I yeah, it's it's such a confusing situation with Tevin Jenkins. I would think for like even the player itself, if you're the head coach, like let me, you know, silence all these these rumors that are maybe happening and kind of tell you a little bit without tipping your hand too much to the San Francisco 49ers. But I don't know. I, I feel like that would just make the situation a little easier on everybody. But, yeah, still working with trainers for Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. It is. It is. It is mysterious. And I think in certain cases, I don't think that it should just be a blanket you know, policy never. I I think in certain cases it is smart to give a little bit more information for the benefit of the mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Think about what I just said. Tevin Jenkins has been in one practice, one training camp practice now going on into a second season. Okay. Missed all training camp last year as practice in one of five practices so far this year in training camp. Fair or not, you get labeled as a soft player, injury prone. This happened with Tariq Cohen last year. Mm-hmm. They would not tell you that Tariq Cohen had a setback. They would not tell you that his injury was not just a clean cut ACL. Then you ended up reading later on everything that Tariq Cohen went through. Okay. Not just on the field, off the field, injuries, life. And I'm not, that's his personal life. I'm not saying you have to divulge everything. But if it wasn't such a mystery all last season, I think it would have helped him. Yeah. And instead, and as he mentioned in that story, he's reading all this stuff on social media about how he's soft and can't come back and all this stuff. So I just, maybe this Tevin Jenkins thing is not a big deal. Maybe he'll be back next week. Um, I see that there's questions. I didn't. I have not seen this cap video that people are referencing in our comments. I saw it on Twitter too. Cap put out a video. I think David Kaplan uh, mentioning maturity issues. I don't. I personally have not heard that. Doesn't mean it's not true. Don't know. But it's kind of proving what I'm talking about right now. That that's the stuff that starts. Those are the questions that start to um, come up when it's when it's missed. When it's a mystery, and maybe the Bears want it that way, I don't know. But I'll, you saw today with Thomas Graham Jr. hamstring, gonna miss some time. Cool, thanks. Oh. Like 49ers still don't know his status for Week One, and everything's fine. 
Yeah, all I know is this, Adam, is like if I'm Tevin Jenkins, I wouldn't want to search my name up right now on Twitter. Like I really wouldn't because there is just a lot of a lot of things being said. And like we were talking about for the players, for the players' sake, it, it would, I think, be beneficial if it's like whatever they're, whatever they're dealing with can be disclosed. But yeah, if I'm Tevin Jenkins, I'm not searching up my, my name on Twitter for sure. Yeah. All right, got some time to get through some questions, and um, we'll just keep continue to keep you updated on what happens with Tevin Jenkins. But today's still not much of an update, and um, I'm just trying to see. Oh, I did want to point out, for all the talk about the offense not being great, Justin Fields being laid on some throws, he did have an absolute rocket over the middle to Simba Webster at one point. Yes. Yep. Uh, under pressure, threw an absolute strike, and that looked like it was on time. Good throw. So um, now one of the late throws I still want to give the defense credit for, definitely late towards the sideline to Mooney, but Jalen Johnson got his hand on the ball. Yep. And I think another example of the hustle that Matt Eberflus is looking for, Joe Thomas kind of ran from out of the picture, back into the play. Good things happen when you get around the football. Oh, yeah. Whoever you are, offense, defense, good things happen when you get around the football. So Joe, Joe Thomas came back towards that play. Ball popped up in the air from Jalen Johnson, and he caught it for an interception. So um, just a couple good notes there that I want to mention, too, before we get to some of the questions. Yeah, and I'll share one for, for Eddie Jackson. He made a really good play uh, coming down on a pass that was intended for Equinemius St. Brown in the middle of the field. The ball gets deflected into the air. So really good play by Eddie Jackson to break on the ball. Then somehow that ball ended up in Daz Newsom's hands out of all the, all, all the receivers. But good play by Eddie to, to break on the on the pass. And, hey, for Daz Newsom to stay with it, to, to complete the reception, I guess. But, yeah, there was a couple of good plays where – Defenders are just breaking on the on the passes, and whether they were late or not, just capitalizing on the opportunity. That ball went like thirty feet into the air. It was crazy. <laughs> it like ended up on the so if that play was like in the middle of the field, the ball ended up towards the sideline where Daz Newsom yep. came down with it. So, um, but again, the theme: getting the hands on the football mm -hmm. over and over and over again. So it's. It's happening. That Yeah, that is one thing that has been consistent every single day. And in past years, since we've referenced past years, we had a comment about past years when the offense was struggling, defense playing better than the offense. You still wouldn't see this many plays on the ball from the defense. No. Nope. Like so. this, is, this is by far the most I've seen the Bears defense get consistently get their hands on the football in practice since at least the Lovey Smith days. And even off the top of my head, granted that was a long time ago, this might be recency bias, but it seems like even more. Like it is it is a lot every single day. I'm curious to see if it holds up when pads come on, but just seeing how this defense is practiced and what they're what they know now, I have a feeling it might because they're just it's ingrained in them. Like that's what Eberflus has done, and that's being embodied with each and every defender on this defense. All right, Lawrence, let's get to some questions. Oh, hello. Uh, let's start with uh, 
one that act, there was a lot of comments in the chat after this was asked by Hendricks. He about said, how you're wearing a green and gold T-shirt. We'll get to that. Uh, he, Hendricks said, is Getsy in the booth or on the sidelines? I doubt we know the answer to that, but people were asking and commenting and debating. So I yeah. figured I'd well, obviously, right now in practice, he's right there on the field. Um, will he be in the booth or the sideline? Fair question. Um, this was actually brought to my attention last week to ask Getsy since we had a couple weeks before the actual first preseason game, did not feel like it was an urgent question to ask. We will get that question yeah. answered um, before the first preseason game, I promise. All right. Well, so then uh, J.R. Mayberry says, do you think Eberflus lets someone else do the analytics-type thinking, maybe rely on Getsy for that? Hey, that? real quick, uh, oh, yeah. on the last thing, too, you might see Getsy try both. I, I want to mm -hmm. say that Sean Desai last year in the preseason tried one game on the field, one game upstairs, and then ultimately – um, I think he decided to go upstairs, but that's sometimes what happens in the preseason. You can experiment with some things. So you might see Getsy do that. Um, in terms of the analytics, I mean, usually you have a department for that and they just spit it all out for you in terms of tendencies. And then it's up to you to take that stuff on the field in the moment and make the decision that you want to make. But that's usually how it works. I know Andrew Janoco, the quarterback's coach said, big analytics guy they'll look at and he's referenced things like pff to to every little thing that you could look at but he is really big into the analytics like how they get sacks if you get them in three-step dropbacks and what ends up happening there but andrew janoke was a big analytics guy i wonder if that factors into what they're kind of doing offensively all right uh let's continue on after i've now deleted a lot of porny chat i don't understand the concept of the porny chats but i don't uh, get it either Anyways, uh, moving on. Oh, this is a good one from Doug Dyer. He says, who gets into the first scuffle tomorrow when Pats come on? Ooh, Ooh. I like this one. Ooh. Okay, so Angela Blackson's not been practicing the last couple days. So, otherwise, he'd probably be first on my list. He tends to be involved in that stuff. Um, It's Mario Edwards. Come oh, on, yeah, Mario yeah, Edwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Mario Edwards. Yep, he's going to uh, get into a fight with somebody. Uh offensive lineman who would it be i don't know because it's like a lot of rookies right now on offense on yeah. the offensive line and if only tevin jenkins was there yeah and like cody whitehair is not the type of guy who's gonna get in that is michael schofield the guy that i don't know we talked to him he seems like a really nice dude offensive linemen are always nice guys though and when they have a microphone like they doesn't always seem yeah, like that true. like they're yeah they're in interviews they're very calm and then all of a sudden, out there on the football, and, they, and I think Schofield talked about that. He did. Yeah. And then it got he brought got up to him. He's like, "You seem like a really nice guy." And he's like, "Yeah, I got a switch though." Mario Edwards, though, for sure. Okay. All right. A couple of player-related questions here. First from uh, Jordan Webster: Dominique Robinson and uh, Carson Taylor looking good? Question mark. You know, both of the well, Dominique Robinson has had days where he's gotten in the backfield. Uh, Carson yes. Taylor was somebody I talked about in OTAs that was catching my eye. And actually, I have not seen a whole lot of him. I mean, I know he's been out there, but he has not mm -hmm. flashed as much since training camp started. So with both of these guys, I really want to see the pads come on and see what they look like then. Yeah, Eberflus talked about Robinson. He wants to see if he can still be able He can bend right now without the pads, but he's really curious to see if that happens now with the pad level or the pads coming on. All right. Uh, Miggy G. Heard Eddie Jackson got yelled at by Eberflus today. 
True. Hmm. I missed that. Jake. Hmm. I, so, I, okay. Oh, I missed that. I saw um, I saw Fields not yelling at Larry Borum, but I saw them. He had some coaching point for Larry Borum after one play, and it was a demonstrative conversation. I always love a good demonstrative conversation. All right, Ross Blumenfeld. This might be a question for after the pads come on, but does the run scheme fit Montgomery's style? Getsy's offense seemed a lot different than Nagy's offense. I... His style, his style. Well, I've um, heard concerns about this, but I, I really feel like Montgomery is a pretty versatile running back. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm in the minority on this. I am not that concerned about this. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I think so. I, I think if you give Montgomery a little bit more space to work with, too, like he's been having a fight for every single yard he's gotten since he came into the league, but just seeing a couple plays today, Adam, it almost seemed like in today's practice, they rep the running plays that they had been running more because it just seemed like there were lanes opening in the past plays. Yeah. It's like, you know, plays were a little late and stuff, but it just seemed like the running game today with no pads just seemed more fluid. I agree. There were, there were some plays that appeared to transcend the lack of pads on the field. If that makes sense. Like, Oh, that's an actual hole. That was yeah. wide open. And and I still I want to watch this a little bit closer, but remember I've talked about a few times how Montgomery had that burst of speed last year before the injury. I'm seeing a little bit of that. It's not as consistent as it was last year where I thought it was pretty overwhelming. Like, whoa, Montgomery got faster. But there have been some bursts here and there where I've been like, okay, that's that could be back. <laughs> All right, uh, since we have this Matt Nagy in the chat, I just thought I'd read it. Uh, he said, when, when will Bears fans realize I was not the problem that Justin is? Whatever, get out of here, you troll. Uh, but <laughs> in, in honor of that, Anthony Ortiz asked, is it seen clearly from the players left over from last, the last regime that I uh, think the scheme play calling is a lot easier to understand and digest? By the way, the best way to get rid of a troll is to feature his comment. No, I just thought, it was, I, I kind of think it's funny that there's a guy that's, like officially Matt Nagy and it's his dumb headshot. I mean, yeah. it's, I think it's funny. It's his dumb headshot. <laughs> uh, okay. Is it seen clearly from the players left over from the last regime? Play, play calling is a lot easier to understand and digest. Um, I, I think on the defense it is. Like you're yeah. seeing the, the guys react quickly. That's why you're seeing all these plays on the ball, the turnovers. So on that side of it, I think you clearly can see that the scheme play calling is working for the defensive players right now. By the way, we have some breaking news, as they yeah, say, uh, popping in. Ian Rappaport reporting the Bears have received calls and have held trade talks centered around Tevin Jenkins. Sources tell me and Mike Garofolo, the former second round pick, has drawn interest based on his potential a situation to watch. Okay. I knew it. Wow. Oh, let's just oh. throw that on screen for everyone to see in case they can't find He's the working with the trainers, everybody. He's working with the trainers. I mean, what are you it's interesting to, Yeah, it's interesting to me that it's worded that they've received calls because the only reason I was doubting this theory that was being thrown out there was... I didn't know how many teams would want a guy who's clearly been hurt, 
might not be durable going forward. I mean, from the Bears' side, I get it. Like, former second-round pick, you didn't draft. You're not in love with. You don't think he fits the offense. Whatever. Yes. Like, hold him out of practice and try to trade him. Don't have any problem with that. It's weird that he practiced the first day then. Um, But I'm just – I guess I'm surprised what what they're going to get for him. And, yeah, if he's working with, you know, quote-unquote trainers right now. So – uh, that's what the Bears are at least telling us. But it does seem like at this point right now, he's like the odd man out, right? He's the odd man out in this whole offensive line situation that's going on right now. And the opposite, like, just look at the opposite situation. Larry Borum, yeah, he clearly looks like the right tackle right now. He's not rotating. Mm-hmm. Like, you've seen a little bit of rotation with Braxton Jones and Riley Reef on the left side. Larry Borum seems to be the guy I right tackle. And by the way, I kind of like Larry Borm. So, okay. Man. What do you get trainers. for a Tevin? What do you get for a Tevin Jenkins? That's what practiced in one training camp practice and started. What was that? The Week 14 game against the Green Bay Packers, right? Yeah. That was the, the first game. So, what do you what do you get for a guy like that if he's on the trade block? I have no idea, but it's an interesting situation to monitor. Uh, on the passing the physical side of it too ha, to complete true. the yep. trade. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's. Oh, if you have more, continue. No, that's it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I, since you did bring up the uh, the Packers, I figured I'd end us on this one today. Spazzed out was saying, "What the f is with this green and yellow shirt you got on?" Well, let me explain. You. It's Miko's Italian Ice here in uh, lovely Chicago. At, uh, there's one in Logan Square. There's one up in Irving Park. Usually like 12 to 14 flavors a day. Delicious Italian Ice. Highly recommend it. Has nothing to do with the Packers. So Yeah, I mean, you can wear green. There's, there's a Bears logo right there. It's fine. <laughs> Told you you get crap for it, though. Yeah, you know, it. it's fine. I, I'll take it. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, I support you in this one, Lawrence. Yeah, it's just a color. Yeah. Uh, I, don't know I, I don't know, Nick. There's green on that can you're drinking. I see some oh, green. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get it out of here. We can't just avoid green. Green's the best color anyways. Look at my eyes. Green. Oh, green, I, green. Whoa, that's almost creepier when you do that. <laughs> I have to say, in our backgrounds, though, for Nick and myself... The only green I can see in either one is some of the grass in the photographs I have. Yeah. So just want to point that out. Nick's got some gold up there, but it says, yeah, he he sure has a lot of ugly yellow, but. I love, love that school. If you guys didn't know, why? there's a player on the, on the bears at Riley reef. He went to Iowa. If you didn't know that either. Yeah. 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 I think we're done. Yeah, <laughs> we're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Nicholas Moriano. He's at Law on the Draw. Follow us at CHGO underscore sports underscore bears. Go sign up for that newsletter. It's free this week. You can find it on my Twitter account at CHGO underscore sports. All those Twitter accounts. Just go find the link. Uh, I'll tweet it out again before the day's over. You still got time. It's coming out Wednesday morning. Get the free Bears Things newsletter this week and hopefully stick around, get those memberships, become a CHGO family member. Please hit like down below if you enjoy the podcast. 
rate and review it if you consume it audio only. That's cool, too. We're out of here. Back again tomorrow, 2 p.m., my favorite day at camp. The pads finally go on. The first padded practice. Let's do it. Woo! Thank <laughs> you.